Good afternoon and welcome to the Grief Dialogues podcast. I'm Elizabeth Copeland. I happen to be in beautiful Hermosa Beach, California today with two of the Grief Dialogues contributors, Rachel Greenberg and Sharon Ella of Grief Reiki. And uh, Rachel Greenberg is part is the, uh, the force behind Connection to Hope. And we're talking today about their contributions to Grief Dialogues, the book, which is coming out this week. I am thrilled to say that because of their writing their grief stories and sharing it with the public, that they, they've actually grown a friendship here. And so I would like for you ladies to tell us a little bit about how that came to be and, and you're clearly united in grief at, through your friendship. Okay, well, um, my name is Rachel Greenberg, and I'm the founder of Connections of Hope. I started my foundation a few years ago after my husband's sudden death of a, a brain aneurysm. You know, he was well one day, gone surfing, and gone the next. And I started tweeting about grief and hope, and I noticed this other woman, um, Grief Ricky, and I, used, I started following her, and I would read her post every day. And then one day I thought, oh my goodness, she lives in my neck of the woods. So I think a few weeks, maybe even a few months went by, and I thought, you know what, I really need to reach out to this woman. I was following her. I would, you know, make comments to her posts or like them, and she would do the same. And then, um, lo and behold, Sharon reached out to me. And uh, we've developed a friendship since then. I feel like Sharon is someone that um, I don't have to explain myself. And um, we can talk about our grief journey and our experiences and what we, what we can do about it, what we can't. And I, found, I find like, I felt like um, she was an instant friend. And I'm sitting with this beautiful woman, Sharon, right now. Oh, thank you. It's been so amazing. And, and it was such a blessing to find Rachel on social media, the Connections of Hope, and to resonate, even though John and I, my significant other, um, who was my former fiance but died by suicide, even though we weren't married, we lived together. And I always felt like he was sort of, you know, definitely my my person and to see what Rachel wrote about so resonated with me that I instantly felt a connection with her, connections of hope and um, reached out to her and we connected and actually met and went to lunch and I think, I guess the rest is history. We try to meet as much as we can at least once a month um, to talk to each other and just really talk about those things that are near and dear to our heart that you can't necessarily speak to everybody about. And I think because we're maybe soulmates in grief, we can relate and share those stories without fear of, you know, attribution or, or somebody trying to say, you know, you should be over it. Um, I think that's really the, the wonderful thing about the friendship is that we can talk about it. Just for the listeners to know, we are sitting outside in Hermosa Beach. For those of you in Chicago or Seattle, I'm sorry, you should be here, but there are a lot of people, a little background noise going on. So, Rachel, tell, tell us your story. I'm, I'm sure. Well, um, I'm November, I mean, March 28th, I'm 23rd, I'm sorry, I don't know, I'm tongue-tied. March 23rd, 2013, you know, started out like any other day. I uh, left my house to do errands like I'd done so many Saturdays before that. And while I was away, 
my husband Glenn suffered a, a massive brain hemorrhage. We never spoke to each other again. He was uh, rushed to Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center where I was immediately told there's no hope. The head physician said he's got a brain bleed as bad as they come. Uh, we'll try and operate, but uh, say your goodbyes now. Mm. Well, you know, Glenn had the surgery. They were actually even talking about a, a, a medical directive. They were asking me if they should even move forward with the surgery. It was, it all happened so fast. It was a whirlwind. Well, um, Glenn, they did have the surgery. He survived. However, um, he, he still, there was no consciousness. His, his vitals were fine, he was stable, but there was no consciousness, he was in a coma. So after a few days, he was strong enough to undergo an MRI, and that's where I found out, or we found out, that there was even more bad news. The hemorrhage had caused 80 to 90% brain damage in his brain stem, and I've since learned that your brain stem controls your primal bodily functions, like breathing. So there was no coming back. I uh, called his family in New York, gave him the terrible news that we'd keep him on ventilator support until they could come out and say goodbye, and then we would let him go. Um, during this time, these few days, I also found out that Glenn was a donor. And I, I remember the exact day. It was actually just uh, five months before then. Glenn had um, forgotten to renew his driver's license online. <coughs> Excuse me, if any of you have ever had to go to the DMV, you know it's a long wait. So he was in a long line and he met a woman there who had um, received a kidney. And she told him all about her story, how she'd gone from death's door to after her transplant, having a whole new lease on life. She got married, had a family. So Glenn was really motivated. So he signed up to be a donor. He was really proud of himself. I remember, I remember he came home, he like pulled the little consent form out of his back pocket and he goes, I'm the first Jewish donor. And I'm like, oh, not really, but you know. Um, but little did we know that five months later he would be that donor. Um, he went on to help 127 people. Oh my word, yes. Ages four to 94. Amazing. Yeah, it's quite it's mm -hmm. quite extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time, they were telling me maybe the most you could help would be eight, maybe twenty-five. He helped wow. hundred twenty-seven. Oh so I can't even imagine the difference he made in their lives. But what I'm getting to is, because Glenn was a donor, I um, was part of the local organization and for organ donation, and they invited me to a support group. And I think it was maybe three or four weeks after Glenn died, and I went to the support group and um, shaking, nervous, not knowing what to expect. And what happened is I met other people who were in my shoes. They had lost their loved ones too. They were grieving. They were missing their loved ones. They, their loved ones also were donors. And, and coupled with that, the facilitator of the group had us bring a picture of our loved ones and so we like did arts and crafts and as strange as I thought that was because I grew up thinking that when someone dies you're supposed to grieve, move on, get over it, bury it away, go on with your life. Well, I quickly learned it's the exact opposite and this group really helped me because you know I had just you know laid my husband to rest three weeks before and here I was making like a memory box with pictures of him all over it and so that led to another group and another group and another group and I quickly learned that honoring your loved ones who have passed actually helps with grief 
not burying it. So that was really the beginning of, of my journey um, with my foundation. And, and one thing led to another, and, and I t ended up taking a, a local writing class at, a, at Beyond Baroque, which is actually quite a famous um, literary center in Venice, California. Charles Bukowski came out of there, Dennis Hopper, Viggo Mortensen. So I started taking writing classes, and little did I know, at the culmination of the first course you had to stand on stage and read your story oh, and so oh, here I was on stage and I invited all my friends and everyone else in the class invited, invited all their friends and family so there's a couple hundred people and I stood up on the stage and pretty much told them what I'm telling you today and uh, I got a, a positive response and I just started doing it more and more and I started writing I started researching the afterlife and finding out what happens to our loved ones when they die does the does the light go out or does the consciousness continue and that's really been my journey and I've wanted to I want to help other people because I walk in the shoes right and that's led me to where I am today oh that's great and at the end everyone will will have the uh, website links and, and, and stuff so that you listeners can can tap into some of this amazing work that Rachel's been doing and Sharon Tell us your story. My story started in uh, October 2009 when I got a phone call from my best friend's husband that said she had died by suicide. Um, kind of unexpectedly, I guess, in some sense. She had struggled with mental health issues and gambling issues over the years, but um, I had just talked to her that day. She seemed to be fine. Um, in fact, I was laying in bed praying for her and thinking about her when he called and said that she had died. And it just, you know, it ripped my whole world out from underneath me, I think. Um, you know, thinking about suicide, I really hadn't thought too much about it. Being a Catholic, it sort of threw me for a loop. I had all of these things in, the head, in my head. I kept thinking about the nuns saying, you know, they've gone here, they've gone there, and I thought it was a sin. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, here's my best friend, and she's wandering the earth, you know, somewhere in limbo, trying to figure out where she needs to go. And I think it really, really, really confused me. So I spent two years practically reading and, and trying to understand and think my way through my grief when um, I found out that my former fiance, John, had died by suicide also. And that just sent everything into a tailspin. So I realized I couldn't think my way through it and I realized I couldn't read my way through it. Um, as much as it helped, it didn't answer all of those questions. And um, I put myself in a survivors after suicide support group where I could actually say the word suicide and talk with folks who had been through something similar with their own loved ones. And I really felt like I could be heard in that situation. So um, I think the support group was very key to my healing process and gave me an opportunity to really just talk about it because you can't, one, talk about grief and then you add something like suicide on top of it. People certainly don't want to talk to you. They don't know what to do. Um, and that led me to really try to find ways for myself to heal and grow. So I ended up becoming a grief specialist. Um, I ended up taking that and turning it into a business where I could help others and try to forge my way through, you know, the different components of grief, you know, how you address the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, um, 
not put yourself into a situation physically where you're about to have a heart attack, but that you, you take care of yourself uh, and that you can talk about it with people and it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And I think that was really the beginning of my journey was realizing that I was I was going through what I was supposed to be going through, that it wasn't something abnormal or crazy. Uh, it wasn't something that I could think my way through, but the, something that I had to feel. And I think that really kind of propelled me. After two years of almost having a heart attack and all these other things, um, it propelled me into really making sure that um, I addressed my grief and I didn't avoid it. Right, right. And that is so crucial to people who are going through grief. You almost feel guilty. I know this happened to me. I, I feel guilty about uh, allowing myself the luxury of grieving right? because people needed me. My husband needed me, my kids needed me, and so forth. Um, but at the same time, by not acknowledging my own grief and taking care of myself, I was pretty much depleted, and I really wasn't helping anybody. And mine manifested a year after losing my dad, uh, very suddenly, that manifested into a very bad car accident. Fortunately, I was all by myself. Uh, no one else was injured. Uh, I flipped in the snow. I'm a girl from Texas. I should have never been in the snow, but I hadn't been out on my own in literally months. And I was bound and determined, even though it was snowing, that I was going to go out and I flipped the car. Uh, again, like no one else was injured, but it was a pretty serious accident. And, and that was my big wake-up call about taking care of myself in times of grief. And since then, there have been other very significant times of loss and grief and that now I, I actually visualize and we were talking about visualization earlier today at lunch but I actually when I'm starting to feel depleted I have this vision of my car rolling mm -hmm. in the snow so that's wow. really important what you just said Sharon about you know, taking care of yourself and finding various forms and certainly this form is really cool uh, so I just want to ask you now what what stimulated to contribute to the grief dialogue well I mean I, I, as I said earlier I mean if I could stand on stage every single day and, and tell my story I would so I just want to get the word out because to, for ev anyone else who has lost a loved one you are not alone you are not going crazy you don't have to move on it's okay to mention your loved one's name and grief comes in waves and I just, yes, definitely. It, I would, if I could, I, I could, I would talk about it every single day mm -hmm. because there was nothing really there for me. Your standard grief literature, which I feel felt is, is really more, you know, meant for depression when grief and depression are, are not the same thing at all. Right. So you kind of, at least for me, I had to figure it all out on my own. So whenever I find an, any sort of avenue that or any platform that speaks the truth about grief, that it's okay to grieve, actually to grieve is to heal. We grieve because we love. Exactly. You know? That I want exactly. to be involved with it. And I, I'm, it's, I, I feel honored to be involved in this project. Great, yeah, we feel honored to have you because this book, really, the quality of the pieces and the strong message of you're not alone out there, is that you really helped make that be reality for the people who are reading the book. And Sharon? Well, I think for me, especially your mantra, out of grief comes art. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that is a huge um, 
something that I resonated with and for me I think being able to write how I was feeling was very important. Uh, the poems that I wrote and I wrote a lot of them was on an airplane after I had been in Virginia um, which is where John and I had lived and had a home together and I had been back um, and I hadn't been there for a while and so there was a lot of emotion going on and I think the opportunity to write those poems down but not know what to do with them get those feelings out but not know what to do with them and then I saw your beautiful um, activity for Greek dialogues and I thought well maybe this is an opportunity to submit those feelings and allow them maybe to resonate with somebody else who might be feeling the same way that I did and I think being able to put those things into words sometimes is so important. I think all the contributors to your Greek Dialogues, mm -hmm. the book, have done that, you know, and, and it gives you a sense of not being alone, a sense of, you know, I'm like you said, I'm not going crazy and that my feelings are validated and resonate with other people. And so, I, again, I thank you for the opportunity oh. as well. Well, I thank both of you for talking with me today in this beautiful weather, uh, but also for your beautiful words in, in the book, and the book will be available this week. Uh, we'll have more details about that, but before we close, uh, Rachel, would you give us your website information? Right now, I'm, in, I'm on Twitter, Connections Hope, and Facebook, Connections Hope, and my website is coming, Connections Great. Hope. Great, and we'll, we'll promote that as well Thank as soon you. as we get that. And Sharon, where will we find you? I'm on all social media at Grief Reiki is my handle, so to speak. And you can find me at www.grief-reiki.com. Got it. Great. Okay, well, thank you both. Again, this is wonderful. And thank you, listeners. And we'll be back for more Grief Dialogues, the podcast. Thank you. Good day. Excellent. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. Cool. That worked out really well. Oh, good. So, oh, I'm pushing all the wrong buttons, but that's okay because it was still recording. And now I have.